One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The Bucks reported to their first off-season workout program under new coach Bruce Arians. We had a chance to talk to Mike Evans, Vernon Hargraves, and Shaq Barrett. The program is voluntary, but guess who did not show up? That's right, Gerald McCoy. We'll tell you what Vernon Hargraves had to say about McCoy. And speaking of Evans, he said he would like to play defensive back as well as wide receiver next year. Is this some kind of April Fool's joke? Also, my interview with Bucks co-chairman Joel Glazer last week. Why did the Bucks owners still believe in Jameis Winston, and how did they arrive at hiring Bruce Arians from retirement anyway? We've got all that and more in this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, do you want to be a millionaire? For 30 years, Howard and Sue Million have brought the cool comfort of air conditioning to the entire Tampa Bay area, making thousands of residents millionaires with their quality products and service. Now, Millionaire is currently offering 0% interest For 72 months on qualifying equipment, give them a call at 727-862-2100 to take advantage of this great offer on a brand new quality train air conditioning unit or to schedule service or maintenance. Call 727-862-2100 today. Trust the masters of comfort, millionaire. Okay, Steve, so I was at One Buck Place today as we uh, taped this podcast, and it was the first day of the Voluntary offseason workout program April 1st for all the teams, not just the Bucks, but those that have new first year head coaches, teams like, you know, the Bengals and the Browns and so forth. And so uh, you get the extra, you know, time, the extra week or so to get with the coaches. Now it's phase one. And what that means is they, they can't, they're not practicing per se, it's conditioning in, in this phase one area and they can meet with their position coaches. Uh, and obviously Arians addressed his team for the first time. So they, they kind of ease into the offseason. And the fact that it's voluntary means that, look, not everybody's going to be there for one reason or another. There could be scheduling conflicts. But if you have a new head coach and you're interested in playing this year, probably a good idea to show up on the first day of work anyway. Um, and they don't give us a list of guys who are or are not there. I mean, we had an opportunity to talk to Mike Evans and Hargraves and Shaq Barrett. Beyond that, I could not tell you. Nor would they, nor would they tell us necessarily, of who did not show. I mean, we, you know, we can surmise there might be some players, but one that I could confirm was that Gerald McCoy, and this is not a surprise to me, did not show up at the uh, off-season workout program. If you think about McCoy and his status and what it has been with this team, I mean, here's a guy up until last year was a captain, obviously the third overall pick in the 2010 draft a six-time Pro Bowl defensive tackle, he would most certainly want to be there on the first day of every other new head coach he's had, and this would be his fifth head coach. He met Arians when he came in briefly, met him in the weight room um, that the day that they introduced him officially as the head coach at his press conference. But other than that, I don't think McCoy has had much interaction with uh, not just Arians, but really any many people at One Buck Place. So he wasn't there. And, look, I, I think that that says something I'm not surprised by it, obviously, but it's clear to me that Gerald McCoy does not 
plan on being with this football team. Now, Arians told us last week, hey, look, and he was not available on Monday, but he said, look, don't ask me about the guys when we get to the, you know, the offseason and OTAs and training camp. Please don't ask me about the guys that aren't here because I'm only going to talk about the ones that are. And that was, I thought, kind of a preemptive shot across the bow to, to the media that, look, we, we expect there to be um, some no-shows, right? And one of them most likely could be McCoy. That's when we were talking to him about Gerald McCoy. I don't blame McCoy because of, of what has been said by Arians about him and about just the, the total you know ambiguity and lack of commitment that, that him and Jason Light have shown you know Gerald throughout this offseason process anyway. But I do know that he plans on playing another three or four years. I do know that he's um, according you know according to most accounts is in really good shape. So why wasn't he there? And, you know, I read, uh, Steve, I read an interesting mock draft or two, and there's been a couple of these. And it's, you know, I, I obviously think that the Bucks believe they have value in Gerald McCoy. And when I say value, they may not think he's worth $13 million, and perhaps they'll give him an opportunity to restructure his contract and remain in Tampa. Maybe not. Maybe their intentions are to wait for the draft, see what transpires with other teams. It's a defensive draft. There's a lot of defensive linemen, but not every team is going to fill those needs. So at some point in the draft, it's possible that a team you know, calls the Bucks and says, we'll take Gerald McCoy and his contract for $13 million. Um, thank you very much, and we'll give you something in exchange. And one of the things, you know, typically you think about, well, is that, you know, that's another draft pick, right? So it'd have to happen during the draft. Um, do you get a fourth? Do you get a third, a fifth, whatever? You know, what is that compensation going to be? There were some mock drafts that have presented this scenario, and I think it sort of makes makes sense when you think about the value that McCoy may have. Now, first, somebody has to agree that he can help their football team, and I think he I think he still can. We saw Indomitian Sue last year go and play for the Rams. He had had four and a half sacks coming into the year. He had four and a half sacks during the year with the Rams. And he got paid $14.5 million. McCoy has had six acts in each of the last two seasons and led the team with 21 quarterback pressure. So he's still still a good player, still a factor, even if Arians doesn't think he's the same guy as he was four years ago. But one of the scenarios raised was let's, you know, the Bucks are picking fifth overall. Maybe they don't trade him for a another draft pick in another round per se. But one of the things that was presented is what if, say, the San Francisco 49ers who pick second overall really want to pick up some, some something additional or um, not looking to choose second overall for whatever reason? What if they swapped with the Buccaneers and San Francisco fell from two to five and the Bucks moved up to get, say, Quinn and Williams? And in order to do that, the compensation was Gerald McCoy. In other words, We'll trade you Gerald McCoy. We want to move up a number of spots in the draft. The same could happen at the end of the first round. Uh, in the second round, the Bucks have the 37th overall pick, fifth pick of the second round. What if we get to 32 and the New England Patriots are on the clock and the Bucks call the Patriots and say, you know what, we'll give you Gerald McCoy straight up if you'll move back five spots and let us take the last player here in the first round. I mean, so all of that is possible. All of that is currency. Again, as we sit here and talk, no one is really being very explicit about what the plans are. But you have to imagine that the Bucks feel like they have value in McCoy. And before they just cut him outright and let him go pick his own team, um, that they may have some control over that and try to get some compensation for him. But in any case, he, he wasn't there, uh, certainly on Monday. And 
that would be the day that you would expect a guy like McCoy to be, you know, if not just there, but almost like Jameis Winston and standing at the door greeting everybody. Um, because he's he spent nine seasons here. This is his fifth head coach. He wants everybody wants to start off on the good foot, whether it's with the position coach, which they broke down to, or the head coach or the coordinators. You want to get out there and be part of part of the team. And it is earlier than normal because again, they have a new head coach, so it's April first, not the middle of April. Um, but all that said, I I thought it was telling that McCoy wasn't there. Now, look, he could have had and and may have had a a some kind of scheduling conflict, can't get back, something with the kids, the wife, whatever. All of that is is true and fair game. But I I don't expect necessarily to see him in the program. Let's see if anybody spots him over the next few weeks. And then to boot before the the you know the start of uh, the draft, those three days leading up to the draft, I believe the Bucks have a have a mini camp. Again, it won't be mandatory, it'll be voluntary. But if you're not going to come to the mini camp before the draft, I think that's also indicative of the fact that you don't expect to play here. And I don't think that McCoy expects to play here at this point just because of what's been said, but you never know. So that was the case with uh, with Gerald McCoy. It was really interesting. We had a chance to talk to Vernon Hargraves, and he was asked about Gerald McCoy and just his feelings about the whole situation and, and what players think about McCoy. Well, we all know what Gerald means to this locker room and means – well. We know what Gerald means to the locker room, but the community knows what he means to the community based on what he does. And you know, I don't have to speak on him. I don't have to speak on for what he does. And if he comes back, if he doesn't come back, it's all business. I, it's not really much for me to speak on. Um, he has to do what's best for him and his family. Mr. Light has to do what's best for the Buccaneers. So that's where that comes in line. And, you know, I want him here. Obviously, everybody wants him here. Who wouldn't want him here? So one of the guys we did get to speak with was Mike Evans. And if you follow us on Twitter, you can do that at Sports Day TV or you can follow me on Twitter at NFL Stroud. I tweeted out um, some of the things that were posted on Instagram and then later uh, arrived on Twitter with Mike Evans and Jameis Winston getting together with O.J. Howard at Texas A&M over the weekend. Of course, Jimbo Fisher facilitating uh, them using Texas A&M's practice field uh, to throw and do some some off-season work. And, you know, Winston has done that before. Him and Evans have been pretty good about getting together really ever since Jameis's rookie year. They'll either do it in Texas. He lives about an hour away in Galveston. Um, so they do it at Texas A&M. Or sometimes Jameis will organize something at Florida State where other players will come. So it wasn't a big turnout, to say the least, but um, this is what they, they, they managed to do for a couple of days. Um, Evans, you know, looks great. Obviously he's entering his fifth season. He's had four 1000 yards plus seasons, which is only the third player in NFL history to do that with Randy Moss and AJ green. Uh, but it was interesting in talking to him is that, um, uh, and, and this was actually on their website and I asked him about it is that Evans has indicated he would like to play a little defensive back. Now you remember the pro bowl, uh, they kind of joked that out a little bit and, Pretty soon, you know, offensive players are playing defense and vice versa. But Evans had an interception in that game. And he said then, sort of arrogantly, like, I, I know I could be one of the better defensive backs. I understand all about releases and, and you know, that sort of thing. Obviously, he's, he's a, he'd be one of the bigger ones, to say the least, at uh, what, six foot, six foot five or six foot four. But in talking to him, and I didn't know, you know, I actually said to myself, is this some kind of April Fool's joke? But I think he's kind of serious. He said, "If they want me to, you know, situationally, I will. Yeah. I will. Um, I just got to get like practice at it. Obviously, um, 
I'd be a better, much better press corner than off corner, I'll tell you that, though. Uh, I got to get my hips right. Uh, but n no deep balls will be caught on me. I know that for sure. Unless a guy just mosses me, maybe Julio might go over top of me or something. I don't think that'll happen, though. But uh, I'm bigger than every receiver in the league almost. So the only way they can give me maybe back shoulder. They can probably give me on the back shoulder. That's hard to defend. But everything else, if I'm pressing, I like my chances versus a lot of receivers. You know, up to now, the only time he's gotten on the field on defense is if there's the Hail Mary, and he's one of the tall guys, you know, in the back of the end zone trying to swat that thing down. So he's in on one package, but it's one that you don't see very often in football. I can't imagine for the life of me even one play that you would put Mike Evans in the game that wasn't the final play of the game at defensive back. I mean, it's so – it's it's almost laughable. And, in fact, when we talked to Vernon Hargraves, he kind of rolled his eyes. Oh, no, here we go. <laughs> he says nobody would beat him deep just because – Yeah, he's been saying that for three years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know where he can press and all that. He told you he can press and yeah. What he's thinking. A little tight, a little tight, a little tight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, they get a pick in the Pro Bowl, so I, I mean, I, I mean, you know, I guess we have to put him out there and see. You know, Mike is a great athlete. I, I'm not saying he couldn't do it, but he's not going to do it because if he's my player, I don't. I need him to go both ways. I need him to go. One direction when we when we have the ball to the end zone, and then when we flip fields and it's the second half, I need him to go the other direction. Um, those that's the only that's the only you know multi-directional player I need. Mike Evans is such a big part of their offense and their passing game um, that you know you, you clearly can't spare him on another part of the ball. They do need defensive backs, however. There's no question about that, and that brings us to Vernon Hargraves and. I said this last year, Steve. I, I think that Hargraves was, was actually in a position to have a pretty good year. And if you remember that first game against New Orleans, he ends up um, deflecting a pass early in that game that was intercepted by Lamonte David, and I believe it was Lamonte David, in return for a touchdown, if I'm not mistaken. Um, could have been another player. Could have been a defensive back. I might be wrong about that. But it was a, it was, it was a defensive touchdown that, that Hargraves sort of caused. Might have been a fumble recovery. Wasn't that the Justin that Evans nature. fumble recovery? It, it was Justin Evans. You're right. It was a fumble recovery. I'm thinking yep. of another play, but it was a fumble recovery. Yep. Um, and Hargraves caused a fumble. But after the game, uh, it turns out you know he hurt his shoulder, and we didn't know how serious at that time. Well, it was season ending. He had his his surgery on his left shoulder. He said sometime in September, uh, and really then you know there was very little he could do for for six weeks after that. Now he says he's completely healthy. He's uh, ready to go and you know his career has been one that you would say well you know Vernon's been a bust I mean he was a first round pick about 12th overall just hasn't lived up to expectations he's been hurt two years so all of that has sort of been his story however uh, they don't have any defensive backs to speak of I mean Carlton Davis is going to come back he'll be one of the starters and the other the other day when we were in Phoenix Bruce Arians made mention of the fact that he really believed that Hargraves could could be a, a big player for them and, and certainly a starter. And what he wants to do is you know start him on the outside and not move him in to the slot as he had been doing under Mike Smith, but just leave him out there and find somebody else who can come in on passing downs and play that slot receiver role. But he really likes Vernon Hargraves. What Hargraves did at Florida was press coverage. I mean, that was his thing, man coverage, press coverage, what have you. What the Bucks did under Mike Smith, you know, was to play off and play zone. And then they also had, had Vernon moving inside. 
and playing the slot receiver much like Ronnie Barber did. So he had to learn two positions that he wasn't necessarily very good at in addition to playing zone, which is not what he does. He's always been a press cover corner guy. I'm here to tell you, and you'll hear it in his voice, Vernon Hargraves was so happy and excited to hear what Bruce Arians had said about him saying, look, I, I believe in this guy. He's, 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 you know, I want him to, to come up on the receiver, play press coverage, and I don't even want him moving in the slot. We'll find another guy to play in there. Uh, we need him on the outside, and, and he's, he's our guy, and I think he's going to be great. And the confidence that Hargraves, who has spent all of about five seconds, he said, talking to Bruce Arians was, you, well, you can hear it in his voice when we, when we asked him about it. Yeah, yeah, you know, speaking, yeah, speaking on myself, that's what kind of surprised me the most. You know, when Coach Arians did his uh, interview or, you know, I'm not even sure what it was, but, you know, he was speaking so highly on me, and it just like, it's just like, why? For what? You know what I'm saying? He doesn't know me. He doesn't know what I do. But on the other end, it's like extreme confidence on my end. Like, I can't, I, I don't want to, I mean, I want to play for him. This is who I want to play for now. You know, this is, you know, this is where I want to be. This is always where I want to be, but, you know, when when the head guy puts his you know puts himself on the line for you, it, it kind of does something for you. I don't really know how to explain it, but um, it gives you a good feeling on the inside and makes you want to play. All right, the final guy we had a chance to speak with is Shaq Barrett, who comes from the Denver Broncos. He's going to be an outside pass rusher, a linebacker in that three-four defense, a guy that's going to have to compete, and he's going to have to compete with you know Noah Spence and Carl Nassib. Uh, just you know, Jason Pierre-Paul obviously is on the other side, so one would anticipate him starting. Um, but Barrett is uh, up to the opportunity that he gets. He signed a one-year deal here in Tampa Bay. Of course, he's played out there with uh, Von Von Miller, and at one point as a young player, Demarcus Ware. I mean, he has really had a a great sort of window seat to some of the best pass rushers of all time. Uh, and now he takes that knowledge, and he, he wants the opportunity to compete and be a starter. That was what attracted him to Tampa Bay. He's excited to be part of Todd Bowles' offense. And, um, you know, if you watch him, at, at minimum, this guy's going to turn into a pass rush specialist and a guy that's capable of getting eight to ten sacks a year, uh, at least the Bucks think so. And if he does that, then obviously they'll be talking, coming back to him and talking about an extension. But the Bucks, with limited cap space, signed a lot of these guys – uh, whether you're talking about D1 Buchanan or somebody else, to one-year sort of prove-it deals. And they're very motivated. Um, they want to have good years. They want to prove they can be a starter or contribute an awful lot at this level and then hope that the next contract is right around the corner. So one of the uh, few free agents that the Bucks have signed, just, you know, they're certainly up against it with a salary cap, but an interesting guy I think that uh, certainly could have an impact on their defense. Okay, I mentioned that uh, it was about a week ago a little less than that, when I had a chance to sit down with Bucks co-chairman Joel Glazer. Now, uh, Joel and, and, for that matter, the Bucks ownership really only meet the media one-on-one -on -one like this once a year, and it's always at the owners' meeting. So we had not really caught up in some time going back to before Jameis Winston was even suspended because, remember, he was suspended a year ago in July in, in this conversation uh, that we took place, you know, in March. So – it had been a long time since we had a chance to catch up with Joel Glazer, and so much has happened. Dirk Cutter going 5-11, and 11, two seasons in a row, finally getting fired, the decision to retain Bucks general manager Jason Light, and just how they arrived 
at Bruce Arians and why he would be the best choice at this time. And what kind of a year this is going to have to be for Jameis Winston, who's in the final season of, of his rookie contract. So here's my interview with Bucks co-chairman Joel Glazer. Obviously, you got more change this year. Um, you've had a number of head coaches since 2010. Um, just in general, can you can you pin? I know you guys study your business pretty well. Can you pinpoint any reasons why there's been kind of so much turnover, other than just the lack of success on the field? You know, in, in football, ideally you don't want so much turnover. Yeah, ideally we, that we recognize. Sure. And can we pinpoint one thing or the other? I would say the answer is no. You can't pinpoint one thing. Ultimately, it's results on the field, right. and results on the field have been unfortunate. Yeah, is what led us to this, to where we are. Yeah, you uh, um, have. You, did you guys have you evaluated kind of the ways you've selected coaches and and, and that sort? Of, I know you went, for example, to a consulting firm of, of some kind or utilized that as a as a tool. Yeah, yeah, and that that's something we kind of took a look back at what we've done in the past, the different type of coaches we brought in. That's why this time we did bring in somebody who been involved in this many times with other teams with success yeah. and uh, I think it was beneficial I mean gave, you know, sometimes you need a different perspective on things yeah. so we felt that was helpful what is it about uh, Bruce Arians other than the experience you mentioned that, that you think he's the right guy at this time well I, th- I think it's many things I think it starts with experience yeah. proven track record um, his work with quarterbacks and offense and, and you know where the NFL is today and uh, and also it's the way he interacts with players too so the whole package uh, put together and uh, again through the interview process and getting to know him better which is very- hey I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm impressed with you know, everything you heard about him. We saw it. When we met him. Yeah, he's 66. There's no doubt about that. Um, and he had that experience is, is part of his story. Steve Kaim, who's the the Cardinals GM, uh, was quoted as saying that when he was in Arizona, that every day Bruce would ruminate about retiring, and then he did, and then he did retire. He he's delegating a lot of the game planning to to coaches that he's familiar with. That he's worked with some young guys like Byron Leftwich. What makes you think he's all in? In other words, that he has the energy and is, and is committed to it. You know, it's funny. I know a lot of people, say outside of football, who are different businesses, whatever it is, and they're in the grind and they can't do this anymore. I think I think I got to retire. They get out. They see what life's like without it. Appreciate a few new things. Make a few adjustments. Come back in, and you know, but they still have the same fabric and makeup, and they're very successful. Yeah. So, you know. We had long talks about that, but we got over that concern very, very quickly um, in our discussions. Jason Light has been here five years. He's had one winning season. Um, his record's 27 and 53, which is which is worse than your previous GM. What gives you confidence in Jason still after this this much? Well, I think if you look back at drafts, some players have been drafted, re-signed. Yeah. You know, we, we do feel like we have 
some nucleus of talent yeah. on, on this team. Yeah. So, as you say, the record's the record. Yeah. But it also goes to consistency. When we talked, the first thing you talked about, constant change. And, you know, we felt it's important to have, to keep consistency in one of the positions. Yeah. And not have complete wholesale change. So, you know, we have, we have great confidence in Jason. Um, obviously, the record is the record, mm-hmm. and uh, there's still a story to be told. Jason helped lead your coaching yeah, search, yes. right, along yeah, with well, yeah. the firm and everything. Yes, people. yes. But it would seem that, you know, maybe Bruce wouldn't have worked for anybody. So right. does that relationship sort of make this possible, I guess, in right. other words? That he wouldn't have come out of retirement for any team. Uh, correct. That's correct. I, and, and uh, you know, we ran the process. Bruce, I was surprised, you know, it was – into the process where we knew he'd have interest, but yeah. it would only be in certain situations. Right. And he'd work with Jason, knew Jason. So it was because of that that I think he was comfortable yeah. coming in. Because I, I know one thing, he just didn't want to go into any situation. Any situation. And, you know, he, he had the experience with Jason, so he knew he'd be helpful in helping him succeed. Let's talk about Jameis Winston. How big of a year is this for him personally? Well, I think it's, you know, it's a big year for the Buccaneers. It's a big year for him. Um, obviously, quarterback position is extremely important position. And, uh, but I know, yeah, you know James, James is up for any challenge and he'll be ready. When I last talked to you, uh, he had not been suspended. You had complete faith in him. I believe that uh, what he was telling you with respect to, to the incidents. Um, did, did he lie to you? Do you feel like he mis- misled you at all with that? or You know, that situation is last year. It's in the past. We're looking forward. I know he's looking forward. I know our staff's looking forward. And uh, I mean, it's all eyes forward to, to next year. What uh, what gives you confidence in what you see with him in terms of, of, of on the field, off the field, that, that he's he's still, the arrow is still pointing out? Well, I, I think if you look at the last two seasons, it's kind of been a tale of two seasons within the season with James. Yeah. Two years ago, he was hurt. Yeah. And then towards the end of the year, you know, you saw quality play on the field last year. Happened beginning, comes back, plays towards the end of the year, plays well. So, you, you know, we've seen it, we've seen it, but it's got to be consistent. And, uh, but we, you know, year older, year wiser, and more experienced. Bruce has hired two female head uh, coaches, assistant coaches. You, you've had a lot of women VPs in your in your organization. Um, what what drives uh, your organization's commitment? Uh, uh, to women, whether it's uh, personnel, coaching, fans, and, and is your sister? Does she does she play a role in, in all of this? I've heard her spoke about about that. Well, I think you know we play place a great emphasis on inclusive and, and open to everybody, and and it doesn't matter who. And, and you know, there's a lot of progress in this area yeah. in the world, and we deal no differently within our organization. It's important that uh, we progress. You've uh, lowered ticket prices this year. You're offering value uh, even more so than you have in the past, I think, all, all over the stadium. Well, where do you think, first of all, why did you do that, and where do you think your fan base is with respect to supporting you, your organization? I think every year we take a look at what we're offering, make sure we're offering something for everybody. So there's a point for everybody to uh, come enjoy our games. And we took a look and thought there were some areas of adjustment that can be helpful. We interact, listen to our fans, hear what they have to say, and so we're trying to meet their needs. You know, the last couple of years, several years, uh, you know, our customer service throughout the NFL has been number one. We take great pride in that. We're, uh, we take our 
our season ticket holders, our members are the most important people to us, and we've wanted to treat them that way. So, the 11 years no playoffs. I mean, that that's the one thing you want to you want to emphasize, right? That you want to give you want to give those fans something to to celebrate. That is that the hardest thing for you right now? Is that you just haven't delivered <laughs> it, it, on that it, promise? It's, it's absolutely painful. I, I mean, there, there's nothing nothing worse. Yeah. If you'd asked me 10 years ago, would this have happened? Would we be here 10 years later? You would not think so. Yeah. So we are, we are absolutely determined. It's been extremely painful. Um, and we're doing everything we can. Turn around, we have no doubt that the fans will embrace Tampa Bay Buccaneers along with any success that comes with us. Now a question. Speaking of success, um, how do you view the Tampa Bay Lightning and what they're doing? Is, is that uh, great for the community, the sports community, or, or is, there, is it a rival for no, the sports dollar? I'm a firm believer that when everybody in the community gets excited, it's a positive. And whether it's the Rays, the Lightning, because it's just a feel-good factor that spills over to everything, whether it's us or anything. So, so we're fans of the Lightning, we're fans of the Rays. We don't view it as a competitive situation. We want the best for them. That's why I think Arians is here. Arians is here because he is the quarterback whisperer. He's the guy that has had Ben Roethlisberger and Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning and so on. And if there's somebody that can save Jameis, that's who they're interested in. Um, So, you know, when you talk to them about Winston and his play, you know, that that's what caused the comment of, well, it's kind of been the tale of two seasons. Well, this year they don't have to worry about suspensions. He doesn't have to worry about looking over his shoulder. Ryan Fitzpatrick is in Miami as a starter. There's not going to be a guy really that's going to threaten him as a starter. So it is it is his team. Bruce Arians has made that clear. And I think that uh, I think that's what they wanted. They wanted somebody uh, who would have Jameis's back and pump him up, get his swagger back, and let him be Jameis Winston. So, uh, you know, in, in talking about just sort of their process as far as hiring coaches, I mean, when you've had six head coaches since 2008 – it's not a secret why you're not winning in the National Football League. I mean, turnover uh, is going to happen, uh, and it happens with more regularity than it used to in this league. But every time you do that, you know, you, you could change schemes. You can render entire draft classes irrelevant. Um, there's, there's obviously a, an impact to bringing in uh, somebody different every two years. Um, I, I'm not sure that the Glazers have really changed their process. You know, we, we asked him about sort of – you know, the way they've evaluated selecting their coaches. And even though he said that they've looked at some of the things that they've done in the past and they did hire a consulting firm, which made no sense to me based on who they hired, but they let Jason Light lead this search. And I I thought what was interesting was him saying that, well, you know, we wanted some continuity for the organization. In other words, if we were going to fire Dirk Cutter and if we fired Jason Light, we're literally, uh, you know, there's nobody in the building in the football side that really – you know, can can be the you know the bridge to a new head coach because they don't see this as a rebuild. They really don't. They think that there's a core of players here that can win now, uh, and with the right coaching staff and the right head coach leading it, that they can make this turn around and turn around quickly. That is their goal. It makes sense that that would be their goal because Jameis is in his final year. But I think that you know Jason Light brought them the one head coach that that they wanted for this situation, but that may have only come out of retirement if Jason was the GM. So in a sense, you didn't need a search firm or you didn't need to evaluate how you're hiring coaches 
if you're going to take the recommendation of, of your general manager because, frankly, that's what they've always done. You know, whether it was Mark Dominic trying to hire Chip Kelly or ultimately Greg Schiano, or whether it was Jason Light suggesting that they hire Dirk Cutter after they fired Lovey Smith. I mean, they've always sort of let the GM, not always, but recently let the GM lead the coaching search. And, you know, so I think that, you know, it's interesting to me, the one time they didn't, actually two times I can remember they didn't do that, was when Malcolm, their father, was running the organization and he hired Tony Dungy. And then the other time, you know, it, it looked like they were going to go a certain way with, you know, with uh, Rich McKay as a GM heading the search. And then they took it over and made the trade for John Gruden. So two for two for Malcolm, not so good for, for his sons and his family as far as hiring head coaches go. So, you know, I, again, I think that the Glazers are unique in that while they're in the National Football League, and I'm sure they share, you know, they're on committees with other owners, they're not the type of business people in general um, that that really, you know, lean heavily on, on other owners in their business. In other words, I don't think they're calling Jerry Jones or even Bob Kraft or whomever and saying, um, you know, hey, uh, you know, you run a good organization, you know, Ziggy Wolf in, in, uh, in Minnesota. How about you, you, you recommend a good football guy that we can put in charge of our organization that can then hire the head coach? I mean, that's just not who they are. Um, so they believe in one-on-one relationships. They have that with Jason Light. They referenced his drafts that you heard there a minute ago, and that's why Jason was in position to to hire the one head coach that they really wanted, and, and it turns out to be, um, not surprisingly, Bruce Arians. So uh, even with a 27-53 and 53 record, you know, look, uh, this is the direction they're going. Now, having said that, I don't think that, you know, Jason Light can continue not not to have a team that's in the postseason. Um, they'll form a relationship with Bruce Arians, who says he's going to be more involved in personnel. It's possible. I'm not predicting anything, but it's possible that Arians could outlast the GM that brought him in. That does happen at times. It happened, obviously, with John Gruden and Rich McKay moving on to Atlanta. So you can have a situation where the Glazers form a relationship and more faith is placed in one guy or the other, um, and you make you make another change, but I think at this point they feel comfortable with uh, with what what Jason has done, his ability to bring Bruce here, and we'll see how it goes. But um, pretty interesting that uh, uh, you know that they 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 just I just believe that they want this quarterback to be the guy who leads them back to the postseason. They have so much invested in him; they stuck their necks out drafting him. Uh, they've certainly seen him grow up off the field. Uh, in some ways, certainly since his rookie year, but now he has to find a way to put it all together, and he's got one year to do so. And I, I have a, I have a feeling that if it doesn't work out, they'll move on. I don't I don't think they're going to force this into a sixth season because that would mean either franchising Jameis at twenty five million dollars or signing him to some kind of uh, extension, which would probably cost you as much or more. So this is a big year for him, and you know, failing that, I mean, look. Even if Jameis plays great, and I think he'll play well enough, we'll see if he stays healthy or not at 250 pounds. But I think the bigger problem is on defense. I mean, the offense was not the problem, even when Jameis played. Clearly he had bad games at Cincinnati and some others. But it's really about whether that coaching staff that Arians brought with Todd Bowles and that defense can get pretty much the same cast of players with the additions of whoever they draft and you know who have they taken the draft 
and get them to make the biggest improvement from 29 points per game that they were allowing to let's say 21 or 22. You know, if you can if you can drop it a touchdown per game, which is a lot, then you give your offense and Jameis Winston a chance to win those games. But he's not going to win trying to score 34, 35 points a game and throwing it 50 times. It's just not going to happen. So we'll see. Always interesting. Always uh, good to talk to the Bucks co-chairman Joel Glazer, and I uh, hope you enjoyed that interview. Finally, Steve, some uh, a little bit of bad news for the Rays. Of course, we know that Matt Duffy is going to be out probably at least six weeks with uh, the back and the hamstring injury. Now the Rays lose Joey Wendell, who's going on the injured list, right? Yeah, he's a uh, left hamstring strain. Uh, they've recalled Christian Arroyo for Durham in the interim. Uh, you remember Arroyo was part of the Evan Longoria trade from the Giants. Mm-hmm. He uh, played a significant part of last year at the beginning, uh, I believe got a concussion and then never really made it back to the bigs after that. I think he played in Durham late in the season, but um, kind of struggled with injuries last year after that. So he's uh, was optioned to Durham in the middle of spring training. He's now been recalled as Joey Wendell's on the 10-day IL. Remember, his, his, he said he kind of felt um, a play at second there. He kind of felt it kind of tighten up in that, and so he took himself out of the game to be precautionary, and now he's on the DL with hamstring strain. Yeah, it's only 10 days. I mean, they can obviously make that longer if they need to. But, um, you know, after the game, really, Kevin Cash is really honest about injuries with what he's being told by trainers, but you never know until the next day. But he said he thought it would be a day-to-day thing. They didn't think it was that serious. Weird play at second base. I mean, basically, it was a caught stealing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the throw and or the runner arrived about the same time. And let me tell you, having been a middle infielder, I did not play in, in pro ball. I played college ball. But that's one of those you almost there's nowhere to go you know you you got to kind of kind of grin and hope because uh you, you know first of all you you got to catch the ball and make the tag um, but if the runner's there at the same time he's going to take you out and and he kind of it was weird that i thought maybe his knee was going to be injured not his hamstring um, but he hit him in, in a certain situation that uh you know clearly uh it, it caused that that injury so Wendell is such a big part of what the Rays did last year. So valuable as a as an infielder who can play infield or outfield. But more than that, his he had not started hitting. It's still, you know, he didn't have a great series against the Astros. But you know that he's he's going to be a guy that's uh, going to create a lot of offense for him as he did a year ago. So, and this is one uh, of the advantages know. the ten day disabled list has given is that yes, you know, if you think a guy is day to day, but it's going to be at least a week, go ahead and put him on the the injured list. It's no longer the DL, the IL. Put them on the injured list and you know bring somebody else up so you, you know, you're only going to miss a few days at that point. Now, I don't know if Joey Wendell's going to be ready in 10 days or not, but uh, having a shorter injured list is, is an advantage for teams where you know when it was 15 days, it's like, well, he might be a week. We're going to hold him, and you're, you're, then you're playing down a guy for three, four, five games till you're trying to decide what you want to do. And mm-hmm. granted, you can make the move retroactive, but you're still shorthanded for a few games, so. Uh, I, I do like the 10-day injured list for that reason. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it'll help them. And, and you know, Arroyo is is somebody that's uh, played before, played a, a good bit of baseball for him last year, a local kid from Hernando High School, so mm-hmm. he gets a chance to come up and help them. And uh, is versatile, can play third base and, and do some, some other things, shortstop if you need him. Um, so that's the thing. They have depth not only within their own 25-man roster, but also going back to Durham. All right, Rick, before we get out of here tonight, it was a very successful night for the Tampa Bay teams. The Rays beat the Rockies 7-1 to to open up that series. They're now 4-1 and one on the season. Ryan Stanek, 
appropriately strikes out the side in his only inning of work, as this was the first time the Rays used the opener this year. Ryan Yarborough backed him up. He gets the win, went uh, four and a third innings, giving up just one run. Diego Castillo, Alvarado, Beeks, and Font uh, scoreless again for the bullpen there. So actually the bullpen technically has given up their first run of the year now with Yarborough because he came in after the opener. But so one run in five games that the bullpen has given up for the Rays. Kevin Kiermeyer, a three-run home run, which busted the game wide open. Uh, Brendan Lau had a home run as well. Uh, so Rays uh, get seven runs tonight against the Rockies. Uh, so they win that game 7-1. to They're 4-1 and on the season, continue to be first place in the AL East. The Lightning get their 60th victory of the year. They beat the Ottawa Senators 5-2 to tonight. Uh, they are now one of three teams ever to win 60 games. The 76-77 Canadians, the 95-96 Red Wings, and now the 2018-2019 Lightning have 60 wins. If they got three games remaining... The Canadians had 60 wins in 76-77. The Red Wings have the record at 62. So if they win out, they will set the record. If they win two of the next three, they will uh, tie the record of the Red Wings. And another note that uh, Corey Long from NHL.com had, there's only two coaches that have ever won 60 games in the NHL. Scotty Bowman coached both those Canadians and Red Wings teams. And now John Cooper becomes the second one. And, of course, he just signed that big contract extension, multi-year extension last week for the Lightning. They'll take on the Canadians tonight in Montreal, part of a back-to-back. Eddie Pasquale probably will be in net as Louis Domingue uh, is uh, day-to-day with, a, I believe, a lower body injury. So they had recalled Eddie Pasquale from Syracuse. And the USF men win the first game of the best-of-three series against DePaul for the CBI tournament. David Collins with the buzzer beater. Actually, I think it was about 1.6 seconds left as they won 63-61 to over to DePaul. Game two will be Wednesday night in Chicago, and then if necessary, Friday night will be game three. So the USF Bulls, another victory. On their way, uh, this, this CBI tournament's been very successful for them, and I think it's going to pay dividends uh, next year and for years to come for this team as well, getting a lot more uh, playing time, a lot more experience, but playoff experience and pressure experience. And tonight they gave up the game-tying three with, uh, I think, like seven seconds to go, but still managed to win it in regulation, 63-61 over to Paul. So congratulations to USF. Again, Wednesday night they'll play in Chicago. Tomorrow we're going to have our popular mailbag segment, so you want to make sure that you submit any question you have that will be answered 100% correctly uh, by myself or Steve, and you can do that whether you want to talk about uh, the Rays and the hot start that they have to their season. Of course, the Final Four is, is just around the corner as well. More Bucks talk, I'm sure, with the NFL draft, which is uh, coming so close now. I had a draft meeting with the, the, the editors of the Tampa Bay Times, per, uh, sort of like, previewing what kind of coverage we're going to have. And so I'll be writing lots of stories about the draft. I know there's a lot of questions about that and what the Bucks will do with Gerald McCoy with the number five overall pick. So get your questions in. To do that, you can uh, just send it to us on Twitter if you'd like to, at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud. Or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. And remember, folks, uh, we know you have a uh, selection of, of air conditioning people that you can use but I'm going to tell you right now, go to our friends at Millionaire. Howard and Sue Million have been doing this now in the Tampa Bay area for 30 years. Uh, they're currently offering 0% interest for 72 months on qualifying uh, train air conditioning units, or you can call to schedule their service or maintenance. Call them now at 727-862-2100 today. Trust the masters of comfort, Millionaire. For Steve Bursnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. <laughs>